It is Tuesday, April 4th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. The Yukon Huskies are your national champions. But does that make them a blue blood? Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. UConn blows out San Diego State en route to their fifth national championship. Adama Sanogo, your tournament most outstanding player. A bunch of stuff happened in Major League Baseball and hockey, but the lead, the Vegas lead, is clearly the Men's College Basketball National Championship. The tournament was very exciting, AJ. But no team was better than the UConn Huskies, who covered every game they played with margin. Yeah, double-digit winners in every single game. Closest game was a 13-point win. (laughs) Uh, That is domination, and last night was no different. 76-59 winners over San Diego State. And if you watched the first four or five minutes, you said, oh, San Diego State came to play. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I think San Diego State went on like an eight-minute run where they didn't make a field goal. I think it was. And, I think it was eleven minutes actually. Oh, it might it have been. I think it was longer than that. Yeah. But boy, and I mean, UConn started to pull away. There was a moment, I guess maybe five, six minutes to go in the game, where it felt like San Diego State well, might push with, to cover. They pulled within six. <laughs> yeah. It was like it was. Was it fifty-six fifty? Yeah. It, it never felt like they were going to win the game, but it felt like if you had a minus seven ticket, like I did. Yeah. That you were you were maybe in some trouble, uh, but well, think as, about that. I think I think that was what the score was. I think it was fifty six fifty with seven fifteen left. From that moment on, UConn scored twenty three points. San Diego State scored nine. No, it would have been twenty to nine. Fifty six to oh, twenty to nine. Yeah. Excuse me, twenty to nine. That that's how you pull away and win, win a yep. basketball game. But yeah, when um when that happened. And, uh, you know, they were getting turnovers. They had a three, another turnover. And then all of a sudden they were down six. I said, whoa, you know what? It we was got ourselves a that. finish. It was 60 to 55 Ooh. at one point with 519 to go, a five-point game. And uh, a 16-4 run to finish yeah. the game for the Huskies who, I mean, the, the defense was phenomenal. Uh, Alex Caraban, I'm going to say this, is going to be a star next year. He, he did not play a ton of minutes this year because UConn had an elite big and Adama Sonogo. And, well, the uh, luxury of just having both of them and, yes, and being it, able to rotate. And, it reminds me a lot of a year ago when a there was a guy named Zach. You think in Purdue, yeah. Yeah, who sat a lot, mm-hmm. uh, like barely 20 minutes a game, 15, 20 minutes a game, Zach Eady, a year ago because – Purdue had a big and Travion Williams, who was very good, uh, All-American candidate. And he gets out of the way, and suddenly you've got a guy who is the National Player of the Year. Don't be surprised if Alex Caravan is is on some lists next season uh, because he is an absolute force. Sonogo was fantastic in this tournament, fantastic in this game. Shout out, um, tournament most outstanding player. I gave it out yesterday morning. I said, if you don't want to lay the juice or lay the points with UConn, you might as well go with Sonogo to be the most outstanding player. Yeah, and it, it was never really in doubt. Never Another in doubt. double-double for him. He, he was just a, a man amongst boys out there, and that's saying something with, with San Diego State's size. Um, there was a couple plays where it's like he just posted his body up and said, good luck getting by me, and they did not. So uh, kudos to UConn, who wins 12 of the last 13 games they played this season, but most importantly, wins their last six, uh, finishing their season 31-8. and It's the sixth time that a team has gone undefeated against the spread throughout the NCAA tournament en route to being a champion. Last uh, time was the, the UConn team, right? No, it happened a couple times after oh, that. Okay. So Villanova did it twice in 2018 and in 2016. Duke in 2015, UConn back in 2014, North Carolina in 2009, oh, yeah. and Florida in 2006. And now okay. UConn here in 2023. The fifth 
championship for the Yukon Huskies. Not like it, I understand like fifth overall puts them on the same level as Indiana. Mm-hmm. It puts them on the same amount of championships as Duke. Puts them ahead of Kansas. But this is what makes it even more unbelievable. Five national championships since 1999. Yeah, in the last 25 years, they've they've done this entire run. It is pretty The four incredible. championships prior to this year has been the most since 99. Now yeah. they win five since 99. I mean, you want to talk about one of the all-time great program builds. What Mark View has done at Gonzaga is incredible. But they have yet to reach the promised land. Right. What Jim Calhoun did in Stores, Connecticut, is unmatched in college in college athletics. I mean, I can't think of another program that came from nowhere to become a national powerhouse like that. It, it was Duke you when Mike Krzyzewski got there. Yeah, yeah. like it was it was when Mike Krzyzewski showed up at Duke. It's very similar. It just doesn't get as much shine for whatever reason. And I think the reason why it doesn't get as much shine is because this is the third guy, the third head coach to win a national championship at UConn in this run, and all of Duke's runs came under Coach K. Yeah, I, look, I, I don't know because Duke had a history. Duke has been to the – was in the Final Four in the 60s and the 70s. Like, yeah, Krzyzewski came along from 1980 to 02 and had – Obviously, the incredible run with five national championships, but at least Duke had a basketball history. The University of Connecticut in stores, Connecticut, had nothing. I think it is more impressive. I mean, you look at the recruiting. Like, Duke should win two or three the last 20 years the way they've been recruiting. That's my opinion. I mean, they, I, 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 listen, I'm not here to the furthest argue Duke, resumes. The furthest UConn went before the 90s was they made an Elite Eight in 1964. Back in the Yankee Conference days, I'm guessing? Is that I what think it? Loyola of Chicago won that year. That was a good I year. Think, I think that – I don't know. I don't know. The, 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 yeah. And then they won They won the Big East in 1990. That was it. That was like the big – like, whoa, UConn won the Big East? What? This is what's crazy about this UConn run. UConn, in that 25 years, we just mentioned five national titles – how many conference titles do you think they've won in that 25-year run? At least since, five. Wait, since it's five. The really? same amount. Yeah. Wow. Like, you so wait, think... do they win the national championship whenever they win the conference? No, no? they didn't oh, okay. win the conference this year. <laughs> they like to stagger. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. another wild thing about that, that 25-year run. In that 25 years, eight times they've missed the tournament. Like, that's – like, Kansas hasn't missed a tournament in the last 25 years. It just doesn't happen – at some schools, but UConn to to miss the tournament five times or eight times and win five titles in the same twenty five year span is like it's it's unimaginable. Seven times in that twenty five year run, so eight missed tourneys, seven first weekend exits. So in those in those twenty five years, fifteen times they either didn't make the tournament or they went home the first weekend. Five times they won it. So that means Ellie's only other five options for you know for uh, any kind of Sweet Sixteen or whatever. I'm going to say there's actually a better a better program build since uh, than Jim Calhoun. It's the same same school. Oh, yeah, 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 maybe so. <laughs> yeah, like, Was he at five? Something like that? <clears throat> oh, he's got more than that. He's got to. What national Gino Oreo? Oh yeah, yeah. Two, three, I was thinking four, of like five, five in the last six, eight seven, years, eight, I mean. nine, yeah. ten, yeah, eleven. Yeah, <laughs> uh, this was the <laughs> third of UConn's title games against a five seed or lower. So you hear all these things like, okay, the five championships are great. Then there's a bunch of things that go, hmm, really, really. So I'll pose the question to you guys. It's long been kind of considered North Carolina, Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, UCLA, Indiana. Even I forget about Indiana sometimes because it's been so long since they were, like, really prominent. Last undefeated team, right? Yeah. But if you – well, yeah, they made the whole way undefeated. Gonzaga lost in the championship game. Six – those six programs pretty much considered blue bloods. I think at this point, you have to open up the club. Honestly, if you combine the women's game with the men's we, game. We don't. No, Stop think it. about this. Stop it. UConn is the best basketball program in the country. 11 women's national championships and five men's national championships. They, 
blue, call them a blue blood, call them a black blood, call them a red blood, whatever you want to call them. They are the best basketball program in the country in college athletics. There's nobody that matches that. Their intramurals are nice. <laughs> think about it. Yeah, I don't like to think about it, but okay. But like it has to, if all those other blue bloods, yes, yeah, some of them have nice women's programs. But when you combine the women's game and the men's game, there's no program in the country better than the UConn are we, Huskies. Are we weighting this some way, or is it just 50-50? Like they, well, I think they count fi- the same? five national championships puts UConn men on the level of Duke, on the level of Indiana, I agree. ahead of Kansas. Yes, as you mentioned, right? Yeah. So I think yes. it does add to the allure as far as you know the future prospects. Having those, what, 12 championships in the women's game? I don't think it hurts. 11, yeah. I, I mean, yes, they are a blue blood. They are they are the premier basketball organization in this country. I won't argue. Well, they're uh, okay. Since the Spurs fell off, yeah, I agree. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think certainly it like there's no denying this is it, it's incredible uh, that the only reason why they they won't have more or they don't already have more is because it snows a lot there. <laughs> uh, that's fair. I mean, it snows a lot in Indiana, I guess. Yeah, that's true. But Indiana, they, also they stopped winning them. They haven't won in a long time. <laughs> they stopped winning them. Yeah. You know, you know, you're you're an elite college recruit. You, first of all, you can you you can go to Duke and play for Coach Shashevsky and go to the NBA. Same thing with Cal Perry. He's going to get you to the NBA, right? And you have the history of Kentucky and Rupp Arena. You can go to UCLA, the most storied program in history, and yeah. right. Or you can. Go to Stores, Connecticut, and play for UConn. I mean, think about it. In the last 25 years, I mentioned Indiana certainly hasn't won one. UCLA hasn't won a tournament in the last 25 years. You have to go back to 1995 for their last one. North Carolina and Duke. And Charles O'Bannon. North, North Carolina Thanks for and getting rid of the NCAA football video games, jerks. Have won three each in that time. Kansas has won two. Kentucky has won once in the last 25 years. I think if we're going to call all these programs blue bloods, UConn absolutely belongs. Uh, I, I think it's undeniable at this point. So, and, and think about this. Three different head coaches yep. have now won national championships for UConn. I mean, who, who else can you say that about, really? It, what other program can you say that about? I, I guess, you can't. Kentucky. Yeah, that's going back. 40, yeah, but you have to, yeah, you no, have to go about, like I'm talking f- about in the last in, in since 1990. Oh, no. no, yeah, no. I, I mean, most of the yeah. other teams have kept the same coach, maybe had one other one. Yeah, North Carolina had two. Yeah, but it's uh yeah, this doesn't yeah, it, but North Carolina didn't win one with uh with um uh Hubert Davis. No. Oh, I was thinking yeah. Dean Smith, that was all back in 83. Yeah, 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 the last time yeah, the last time Dean Smith won a national championship was 93. Yeah. So I yeah, this is uh it, it goes back a good ways. This is a it's a really impressive thing. And I'll be honest, like as someone who my how history would have changed if uh, Indiana beat Maryland in 2002. Yeah, certainly would have. Yeah. Uh, I, as someone who isn't like a big believer in Danny Hurley or hasn't been a big believer in Danny Hurley, Jersey City. like credit to him for uh, for for making that happen. You know, I. You say what you want about uh, Kevin Ollie, and there's some people who think he's a, a very good coach. Some people who think, well, he's coaching the overtime elite for a reason. Instead, how do you finish over 17? He must be terrible as a coach. <laughs> how do, he only played 17 games uh, but the whole season. This was yeah, it was a rough start. Uh, <laughs> no, because they vacated all his wins. Yeah, uh, it, it, a rough start to his career <laughs> uh, is what I meant. But now he's coaching high schoolers, really good ones. Um, you're the best, <laughs> but so whatever you think of those those guys and and Kevin Ollie, I mean McKenzie just mentioned the the postseason stuff, like not being able to play in the postseason. That's what killed Kevin Ollie. But the fact that this team, this team, this program has won with three different guys, and none of them were without their question marks. But uh, again, I didn't think Danny Hurley was a great coach. I thought that he was a hothead. I thought that he I, – I would have put him on a list of guys I couldn't see winning a national title if you'd asked me a year ago. So, egg on my face and uh, Danny Hurley with a, a hell of a run. And let's face it, like, the players are good, but 
No, you didn't. There wasn't. There wasn't any house before this tournament. There really wasn't any household names. Yeah, on this, this is not. Uh, this is not the. This isn't Kimba Walker out there. Mm-hmm. Like this is a, a a group. I mean, there's a lot of talent. Don't get yeah. me wrong. And like I said, I think Alex Caravan will be a household name next year. But this isn't the most talented team in the country. So that tells you if they're not the most talented team in the country, the coaching has to have something to do with it. So. A uh, hell of a job there by Danny Hurley. I believe now his uh, coaching career. So UConn finished what they finished the season, 31-8. and eight. Mm-hmm. So he's now 104 and – oh, no. He's 104 and 55 at UConn for a 654 win percentage at UConn. Yeah. He's 255 and 160 overall. Still pretty good. That's a 614 winning percentage. Yeah. I mean, credit where it's due. The dude is uh, has proven me wrong. He's he's done it now. To, I mean, no one can question you now. Once you got a ring, it doesn't matter what people like me think or, or question or what. Like, this is a, a hell of a showing. So, um, Sonogo being the only – of all these guys, Sonogo's the only guy who was even an honorable mention on an All-American team this year. Wow. So, uh, to take that team and – not just win the national championship, but basically take a dump on the field, which is what they did. Uh, you know, there were, this was a tournament that started with Zach Eadie's and Jalen Wilson's and Brandon Miller's and Trace Jackson Davis's and uh, Drew Timmy and, and uh, Marcus Sasser, every big name you could, you could throw out there. And at the end of the day, Look who's holding up the trophy is a, a team that's built on depth and, you know, a, a team that's very well coached. So kudos to UConn for uh, for winning this thing. I think an, an official blue blood now. I don't know if RJ will agree, <laughs> but uh, I'm going to go. This is one of the one, certainly one of the 10 best programs in college basketball history now. And your top six favorites to win the national championship next year. You want to take a guess, AJ, who's the favorite to win the tournament next year? Uh, I already know who it is. It is the Duke Blue Devils. Yes. Why? Uh, I think, well, I mean, obviously, talent, they seem to be doing a great job with recruiting. But I think as the season went on, John Shire showed that he's not as inept as he looked early mm. in the season. I think there's some real questions with uh, North Carolina about Hubert Davis and if he's the right man for the job. Yep. I think the way Duke finished their season kind of calmed some some fears that they had hired the wrong guy. So I think Duke is in, is in okay shape. I don't know that I'd have them favored to win the championship, but – Duke is Duke, and they're you know they're going to be the uh, the people's choice. Second favorite is Kentucky. Will uh, Sheboy be back? Uh, it's a good question. Um, I I don't have an answer for it. He's if he does go to the NBA, he is a uh, a second round pick. Like or I mean, he's he's a a depth piece in the NBA. So um, and I don't know with you know, COVID years. And I don't know. I mean, how are you going to play for 10 more years? Who knows what the deal is? <laughs> what his eligibility uh, is? Yeah. What his eligibility is. Um, but he, he certainly got at least one more year. I, he may make more money off of NIL at Kentucky than he would his first year in the NBA. So it's a good question. I, I don't know if he'll be back or not. If he, if he does come back, they absolutely have to surround him with some shooters. Okay. Uh, move along. The next favorite is the defending champion, UConn Huskies. Marquette is next. You think Marquette deserves to be the fourth favorite to win the title next year? I think that Marquette had they're bringing they're probably going to bring back a good amount of the roster that they had this mm. year that won the Big East title. Like let's not forget that. Um, it wouldn't shock me if if they are if they're in the mix next year. That's that's a good looking squad, I think. Up next is Kansas, the Jayhawks. Kansas is they are always going to be in it. Well coached team. I, I think what Kansas needs to find in the uh, either in the transfer portal or in recruiting this season is a dominant big because every time that Kansas has gone on this deep run into the tournament, they've had the outside game complemented by a, a dominant big. That's what they missed this year. Uh, although it was announced yesterday, Grady Dick is going to the NBA. So that's one less guy they'll, ha- they'll have mm. from this year's squad to do it with. Yeah. Dick going to the NBA, Cockbringer going to the NBA, Dixon Waters going to the NBA. Uh, everybody uh, testing the waters. <laughs> Purdue is in your sixth favorite. 
I mean, that's a, a, assuming they can get out of the first round. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to bet your hard-earned money on Purdue to win multiple games in an NCAA tournament for 365 go, days, go ahead. Yeah, yeah you want to you want to lock that up. <laughs> you want to lock up 18 to one. That like you'll be able to t- talk about that for the next year. I've got Purdue 18 to I'll one. I'll tell you what. If Circa you puts balls it, bet. if Circa puts up a no, right. I'll do a fez bet on that. All right, <laughs> right. bridge jumper. There you go. <laughs> A uh, couple other notable teams, uh, I guess. You know, we should mention Gonzaga, who's been near the top of the favorites list every year for the last three or four years, twenty-five to one. So, mm. if you think you know Gonzaga is is going to be able to do something without Drew Timmy, uh, then maybe you got a sweet deal there. Texas also at twenty-five to one. Houston twenty-two to one. But the final four from this year: Miami thirty to one for next season, San Diego State and Florida Atlantic both. 60 to 1. If you expect them to be back and go one step further, you can get them for a good price there. So many runs scored yesterday in Major League Baseball, AJ. If they wanted to make the product good for the fans, banning the shift, more stolen bases, juiced baseballs, whatever. Overs yesterday went 13 1. And one. Is that good? The one push. Rays beat the Nationals six to two. Pushed the number of eight. Rays are undefeated, by the way. Four now. The one loss. Orioles. A two nothing win over the Rangers. The highest scoring team in baseball. Two of the highest scoring teams in baseball. <laughs> yes. <laughs> go figure. Two of the highest scoring teams in baseball. Uh, <laughs> go as the only under of the day. How many people are looking at the card like I really bet the one. Under, over, the someone, one. Someone tweeted me last night when I tweeted out that the overs went 13-1-1. One one. Someone said I was on the Tiger. I was on the uh, the Rangers. Uh, and, well, the best offense is in baseball. Womp, womp. <laughs> yeah, if you consider the Orioles went over in their first three games against the Red Sox. And if you consider that the Rangers went over in two of their first three games against the Phillies in big ways. They scored 16 runs. They scored 11 runs, but womp, womp, two, nothing loss. So uh, interesting stuff here. I have numbers from the first weekend of Major League Baseball, so the first series. So starting on Thursday, going through Sunday, and uh, this is not including yesterday's games. So the first four days of the baseball season that concluded, obviously, Sunday night, 50 games played compared to 49 games played in 2022. The average time of game in the first series of the weekend, two hours and 38 minutes, compared to three hours and nine minutes last season. Batting averages this year, 245, compared to last year, 230. This is where it gets interesting. Stolen bases. In the first four days of the Major League Baseball season, teams this year, 70 of 84 stolen bases. Last season, 29 of 43. Wow. Double the amount of stolen base attempts and more than double the amount of successful steals. And as far as pitch clock violations, there were 40 in the first four days. That is less than one per game, 0.8 violations per game. So it's not like the pitch clock is this big thing and everyone's been counting violations and whatnot, but we're seeing more offense. And I I talked about this on the Dream Pod. I talked about this on this program. Until the books start adjusting with these game totals, you got to look towards these overs. We're up to 57.5% on the season. Yeah. 71 and 52. You got to look towards these overs until they uh, until they start posting nines and nine and a halves. And in places like Boston, they're already doing it, but they're certainly not adjusting and doing it in Cincinnati where every game goes over in the great American overpark, as I tweeted out yesterday. thought that was very clever. Instead of great American ballpark, I said, Great American over park. There's something there. We'll workshop. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll put it out. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll have a we'll have a focus group. Uh, let's take a look at your schedule here for Tuesday. Uh, we got the Diamondbacks at the Padres. This is a day game. It's a four ten Eastern time start. A one ten uh, you know afternoon start here on the uh, you know West Coast. 
for the Padres against the Diamondbacks. San Diego minus 145. Total of seven. You Darvish against Zach Gallen. Normally, I'd say, well, it's low scoring for a reason, low total for a reason with these two pitchers, but I mean, Zach Gallen got rocked. I mean, he started out great in, in, that, in his first game of the season against the Dodgers. But then he got rocked. <laughs> like, he got through the first uh, couple innings, and then it was the fifth and sixth inning where he gave up five runs combined in the fifth and sixth innings. So um, maybe the Padres get to him, and this game goes over seven. Boy, seven seems like a low total for these days, although it could be one of those, like, Empire Strikes Back days where yeah. the books got hammered. Let's be careful with, out there. With Exactly. The books got hammered with everybody betting overs. Here on, uh, you know, Monday and then here on Tuesday, it's going to be a lot of unders that are going to cash. I'm not saying that's going to happen. Just saying be cautious of that. Uh, rain in the forecast for Cincinnati where the Reds will host the Cubs. Chicago minus 130. Uh, the total in this game is nine. So the, the book is adjusting, posting uh, the high total. Hayden Wesneski gets the start Easy for you to say for the Cubbies last season pitched 33 innings and actually had a 2.18 ERA so Hayden Wisniewski goes up against Luis Sessa Twins are at the Marlins uh Twins 4-0 to start the year Kenta Maeda will get the start for them Miami though is favored minus 145 it's Sandy Day Sandy Alcantara on the hill the total is 7 in this game and I got to be honest I understand it's Sandy Alcantara, and last year was the best pitcher in the National League. But Miami has not been good to start the year, and they are a free-swinging bunch. I gave out a play yesterday on pregame.com on the over strikeouts for Tyler Molly at four and a half. Molly struck out seven in five innings. Mar- uh, Marlins batters struck out 11 times. Marlins batters lead the major leagues in the most strikeouts so far through the first five games of their season. They just swing and miss 11 strikeouts. They're averaging, you know, it's like double-digit strikeouts a game. The hell's going on? Make contact. See a pitch. Take a yeah, walk. Touch the ball. Exactly. Try that. So Kenta Maeda, I understand he's, he's up against it because Sandy Alcantara's pitching for the Marlins, but... Maybe Maeda has a couple of decent good innings. Uh, take a look. Maybe a strikeout prop of Maeda. Just keep fading these Marlins, these free-swinging Marlins. The Phillies take on the Yankees. Uh, Domingo Herman gets the start for New York against the winless Philadelphia Phillies. And Matt Strom gets the start for Philadelphia. New York minus 150, total of eight and a half. The Yankees have scored at least five runs in every game this season. Yeah, I know. Two of those games, they scored exactly five runs. Yeah, no, that's enough. They scored at least five runs in each of their first four games. Is that team total over in every game? That team total over four and a half has hit in every there game. You and you know what? Could have got some plus money on some of them, too. So Yankees team total over four and a half, possibly the way to look here again. The undefeated Rays will take on the Nationals. Tampa Bay minus 190. Josh Fleming. Gets the start for Tampa. Going for D.C. is Chad Cool as the other side of the pillow. Get it? Cool. Get, yeah. You know, yeah. Cool. Like yeah. You're the first guy to do that. Cool is the other side Absolutely. of the pillow. Absolutely. The Red Sox, who go over in every game they've played. Yes. You worked with the guy that created that, right? I did. Four games for the Red Sox at Fenway Park. Four overs for the Red Sox at Fenway Park. Nick Pavetta goes against Rosne Contreras for the Pirates. Boston's minus 145. The total is nine. Did I mention that every game at Fenway has gone over so far? So Interesting nugget. Total is nine in that game. Mets at the Brewers. Milwaukee coming off a uh, just an embarrassing 10-0 route of the Mets on Monday. But the Mets will now respond with Max Scherzer on the hill. He opposes Wade Miley. Mets are minus 165, total of eight. I kind of like betting on the team that just got blown out. There's something, I think, to it. Maybe the other team's a little bit, you know, cocky, and the manager might have ripped into the team that got Mm -hmm. blown out, you know, and then they respond the next day. You were challenged recently. How did you respond? 
Oh, I responded. You responded. I responded. People tend to respond when they need to. Exactly. So I think, like, I'll be honest. I I bet I got I I think the Mets scored in the first inning. Like I think that the Mets respond okay. to Buck Showalter, okay, who will light a fire under them after getting embarrassed ten to nothing. All right. So maybe a Mets first five play, maybe a Mets team total in the first five, something like that. The Blue Jays take on the Royals in Kansas City. You say Kikuchi gets the start going up against Chris Bubich. And Toronto <laughs> minus 165, total of nine and a half. Braves are at the Cardinals, St. Louis minus 135. And Steven Matz on the hill for the Blue, for the uh, Cardinals. He goes up against Dylan Dodd for the Braves. So a uh, total of nine there. Orioles at the Rangers, and it's going to be Andrew Haney getting the start for Texas and looking to, you know, resurrect his career. Tyler Wells goes for Baltimore, Texas, minus 140, total eight and a half. Tigers at the Astros, Houston, minus 292. For Amber Valdez against Matt Manning, and the total is seven and a half. Why it's do I have, Matt Manning day. Why do I have the feeling? Yeah, that's 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 very clever out of you. <laughs> Mackenzie has no idea where that's from. I don't. <laughs> no, he has no idea where that's from. He wouldn't, honestly, we even told him he wouldn't even recognize where that's yeah, from. Probably not. It's like Bobby Bonilla day? No. Not. No, it's Rex Manning day. <laughs> it's from Empire Records. Do you even know what Empire Records is? Yeah, yeah, I saw that yeah. once. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. <laughs> Uh, why can, can can you pull, can you uh, say it's Matt Manning Day every time? Yes, it's Matt yes. Manning Day. <laughs> All right, thank it's you. It's Matt Manning Day. <laughs> why does it feel like the, the Astros can score the seven and a half by themselves? Because they can. Yeah, and especially because they just lost. Yeah, to the, to the Tigers. You want to talk about lighting a fire? Maybe Dusty lights a fire under the uh, Astros. The Angels are at the Mariners. Seattle minus one sixty five. Luis Castillo on the hill for the Mariners, looking to become the stopper. Luis Castillo helped the Mariners win on opening day. The Mariners have played four games since opening day, and they haven't won a single one of them. So maybe the only time they can win is when Luis Castillo gets the start. Jose Suarez will go for the Angels total in this one, a low total of seven. Guardians at the A's. Cleveland minus 205 with Shane Bieber going up against J.P. Sears. And the total in this one is seven. And considering the, the runs that both these teams put up last night, that's an extremely low total. And the Rockies are at the Dodgers. L.A. minus 267. Total is seven and a half. Same. Then again, every team went over yesterday, so it's like saying whatever. Herman Marquez against Julio Urias. Rare off night in the NBA last night as they decided we're going we're gonna to let UConn have the big stage. Very generous of them. But they get back into business tonight. I think the big story, though, comes off the court as the Warriors are expecting to get some uh, reinforcements Mm. this week in the form of Andrew Wiggins, which would be huge for this team. He's missed the last 22 games. Uh, word has come out that he's apparently been attending to his sick father is like the, I know there was some nefarious uh, reporting on that. Not really reporting. I shouldn't say rumors, twitter.com reporting on that earlier. looks like that is not the case, but Wiggins set to return this week to golden state. How much does he matter? Mackenzie rivers, our NBA expert. How much does he matter to the warriors uh, on a night to night basis? The last two seasons, he's been their second best player. Draymond green is, up and down defensively and absolutely nothing offensively. Clay Thompson, you can say a thing on the other side of the court. Andrew Riggins led the series in rebounding in a, in a series of the finals where they were very much outmatched. I think with him in tow, they have a chance. They were 6-1 to start the season right there with the Celtics, a little bit better, right there with the Bucks, a little bit better. Now they're 14-1. to I'm a big considerer of let's not just look at the last 50 games, but let's look at the last 400 games. Let's look at the last five years. What do we see different? Where are these players in their trajectories? I think they have enough if Andrew Wiggins is their second best player. If he's an all-star, maybe not an all-star starter like he was last year, but a borderline all-star caliber player, they have a chance they should be probably better odds than right now at 14 to 1. But does it does it change your opinion depending on the seed that they get? If they're the five seed and have to play the Suns in the first yeah, round, I think they lose. Yeah, that I think they might be everything. the second best team in the West, and I think they lose, especially. But if they're because the, they're thrown but, together the last. But second. if they're the six seed, 
and have to play the Kings in the first round. The worst defense in the playoffs? They get to stretch their uh, legs a little bit? Yeah, it's a But here's difference. the problem. If you are the five or the six seed, you run into that pesky little thing called not having home court advantage. Oh, yeah. And as we know, oh, the, the system. system says yeah. the Warriors need to be playing at Although home. Sacramento is like like almost home. It's, not, it's not that far from San Francisco. And so, that's another thing where it's like, let's look at the last 400 games. The Warriors don't have a problem winning on the playoffs on the road. They've actually won a playoff game, I think, every series that Steve Kerr has been part of that team. So Literally, McKenzie, it's an hour and a half drive from San Francisco to Sacramento. I think if the Warriors That's like had, the most home game they could yeah, get. Yeah, if they had their pick they would want to play the Kings in the first round. So let me ask you, when you look at Golden State and you look at the Lakers, two teams that are now separated by a half game in the standings, uh, the Lakers obviously playing, uh, you could argue, playing some of the the best ball they've played in months right now. Uh, Who do you have more optimism for going forward, the Lakers or the Warriors? Well, the Warriors for sure. I mean, I haven't upgraded either of these teams that much. There's so many factors that come into the regular season where I look at the record, and it is what it is. But you look at the you know, underlying metrics, you look at games where everyone's playing, I think the Warriors are a way better team than the Lakers. What's happening in Dallas is fascinating and kind of sad. The idea that the NBA has set it up where basically almost everybody makes the playoffs, and a guy who most people will argue is one of the two or three best players in the NBA today – one of the two or three faces of the NBA for like what they consider the future of the NBA is probably not going to make the playoffs. Let's talk about shouldn't have let Jalen Brunson walk. Let's talk about how this not only affects like the, I mean, obviously let's talk about how it affects the Mavericks, like, or what, what, how, how it affects how they build their team going forward. But how does this affect the legacy, the long-term legacy of Luca? Because Missing the playoffs completely at this stage of his career is something that all-time great players just don't do. Rarely. He does have the counterpoint that most 23-year-olds don't lead a team to the Western Conference Finals. Uh, But I think it lands squarely on him. You mentioned Jalen Brunson. He could have been a rising star next to Luka Doncic. There's a reason why he wasn't. The body language, the lack of defense, it's starting to add up. Technicals. He should have more. They rescinded one for absolutely no reason other than they wanted him to play the game. Uh, I think you look at LeBron James' career, and I've been a skeptic the whole way. I think he was so much better in 2013, 2012, 2014 than he was in 2007, 2008, winning those MVPs. I think he had to be humbled. And you look at his offensive rebounds and blocks the year after he lost to the Mavs in the finals, they doubled the next year. He was way more aggressive, way more physical, way tougher. I think mentally and physically, Luka Doncic knows how to get 40 and 10 more than he knows how to lead a team at this point in his career. I, I don't disagree, and I'll also there like you say you said Brunson, but I'll say this: Kyrie Irving, the Kyrie Irving experiment, at least for Kyrie's part, not necessarily for on like for the team's results. Kyrie's been phenomenal. Like this has been, if you said, "Hey, this is what Kyrie is going to give you when he gets here. He's going to give you basically twenty six and six every night." Uh, are you going to take that? Yeah. Like the Mavericks were like, "Hell yes, we will take that." I, I think this is it even more points to finger at Luca, who's supposed to be the dude on this team, not being able to do it. Why, and you, there's no excuse of I don't have any help, right? Because right now you've got help, and you're playing worse than you've played all season. There's a reason that certain heliocentric players excel the most when everything's about them. Wade put up 28 points per game and shot 60 percent from the field almost in the 2011 Finals, and LeBron played worse, maybe because of it. I think I mean, there's. A skill, but Steph Curry's the best at this, absorbing someone's great play and building on it rather than just waiting for your turn and see how you do that night. James Harden, the last three or four years he was in Houston. I've been a skeptic of James Harden. He's not the worst player ever. He's maybe not a bad guy. He likes to go out, but his game isn't fit to winning. It isn't. He he could be an ancillary piece, like he was in the Olympics, for example, but it isn't fit for winning. But like you just said, Steph Curry is the best at this. Like, like he's, or do you mean he's the best at making his teammates better? Yeah, where he can have 17 and 11 assists one game because that's what the game called for, but Clay Thompson was red hot. Yeah, this is, uh, it's unfortunate, and there's a lot of people who compared Luka's game, and it's funny to to hear people go, oh, that's not true. Luka's game gets compared a lot to James Harden's game when James was in Houston, and the truth is, they're very similar. And it's it's a lot of ISO. It's a lot of don't worry, I got this. And at the end of the day, it's very, very difficult. You can win a lot of games like that, 
it's very difficult to win a championship like that, in my opinion. And it looks right now like Luka may not even have a chance. What do you guys think of this report that, uh, you know, isn't official yet, but they're probably, it looks like they're strongly considering shutting down Luka and Kyrie in order to retain, get the 11th seed and retain their pick from the Knicks uh, for this season. I mean, how sad is that, first That's of all? That's pathetic. He's the MVP favorite up until like a month ago. Uh, and you know what I hate about that? Down. What I hate about that is they're if, one game out. If yeah, I know that too. It's not like they're a way out of it. They could go undefeated. They'd yeah. be favored to make the playoffs or at least play in. If you get into that play in, you've got Luca and Kyrie. You're live against anybody. That's what's so fascinating about the Lakers. Like that's why nobody nobody wants to play the Lakers in those play in games because they've got freaking LeBron and AD, and they, on, on any given night, those two might be they they might end up being the two best guys in the league on one night, and then you're screwed. That could happen with Dallas, and for them, while they're one game out over a draft pick, three games, left. three games, gross. Left. three games left for Dallas. They play Sacramento, who uh, I believe is locked into their seating, or actually, yeah, they're, yeah, they're, yeah, they're pretty much, locked. pretty much locked into their seating, right? They, they and could then they, be the two seed. Technically, it would take some yeah. a lot of help from and a, then, a team that's playing really good ball right and now. And then they get a then they get a free sp- a free square against San Antonio, and they play the Bulls. Dallas should or very well could go 3-0 to finish the year. And then you're just chasing Oklahoma City, who you're one game back of. Who, by the way, play the Warriors tonight. The Thunder. Yeah, good call. The Thunder play. Where's that at? Golden State. In, in, Uh-oh! In, in, San, play. in San Francisco. <laughs> not only be do, dogs. Not only do they play the Warriors, they also play the Memphis Grizzlies, who are trying to secure the number two seed, and then they have one game against the Jazz, who are not eliminated yet, so might be motivated to to win that game. If if Dallas goes three and zero, I think they're in. I think so too. But, but, but who, like what McKenzie said, makes it like, do they want to be in? Like, it, well, they've lost three straight. I mean, it's just and they've lost twice to the Hornets. One yeah. is a sixteen point dog. Yeah, it's been bad. Maybe it's they don't almost like, it. like there was some, hey, guys, it wouldn't be that bad if you just suddenly sucked the next month. I mean, yeah, maybe they don't want to get in. It's terrible. Maybe it's they don't. Embarrassment for the league. And for uh, you know what's going to happen? Dallas's one ping pong ball is going to pop up. Victor Wimbayama. <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. It's not yeah. fixed Explain at all. Explain that one, yeah. Silver. Not fixed at all, but Victor Wimbayama is going to play with uh, with, <laughs> with Luka and Kyrie going forward. That'd be a good team, though. Total- <laughs> yeah, it could be all right. Yeah, Mark Cuban's going to They do, might make the play-in tournament that year. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, either way, the, the the last few games of the, of the NBA season, a uh, lot to be determined, at least in the Western Conference. The Eastern Conference is – Signed, sealed, and delivered, uh, at least for the like the teams that are going to be involved in the play-in, play-off in some shape or form. Seeding, obviously, still to be determined, but there are still some some cuts to be made, uh, notably that last spot in the Western Conference play-in tournament. So let's take a look at the games tonight that have somewhat of playoff implications. Celtics and Sixers do battle. Philadelphia is a two-point favorite. Here's where we stand right now. The Celtics are two games back of Milwaukee for the one seed. Now, the Bucks' remaining schedule, they have four games left. They have Memphis, they have Toronto, they have Washington and the Bulls, and Boston has this game against the Sixers. Then they play the uh, Hawks and two against the Toronto Raptors. So how motivated is Boston, McKenzie, in your mind, to chase down Milwaukee and get this one seed. They've won in Milwaukee game six last year. They won in Milwaukee by 40 just a couple days ago. I don't think they're that motivated. I think the Sixers are going to be a lot more motivated here. And this line opened exactly where my power rankings make it, at Sixers minus one. Celtics a little bit better, Sixers at home. But the Sixers have lost three straight to better than 500 teams, and they've lost to their main rivals back-to-back in the Nuggets and the Bucks. There's a couple ways you can split the, the Sixers last month. I mean, on the other one hand, they've lost to everyone that's better than them, arguably. On the other hand, if you look at their net rating, they're second in the league over that time, and Embiid has put up his best numbers. So I feel like they want to make a statement here much more than the Celtics do. Uh, this line ticked up to two and a half. I still would look at the Sixers here. The Hawks play the Bulls in Chicago. Chicago is laying four, and this game important because right now Atlanta is one game up on the Bulls in that play-in tournament mix. 
Atlanta is the eighth seed, and we know how important it is to be the seven or the eight because you have two chances to get into the playoffs because if you lose the seven-eight game, well, all you do is host the winner of the 9-10 game. So if the Bulls win this game, they would then leapfrog the Hawks and put them in a better situation to have multiple shots to make the playoffs. So Chicago laying four, McKenzie. And the Hawks are a better team, but they're not a fully healthy team. DeAndre Hunter is going to be out. Trey Young questionable with illness. Uh, you know, bad time to get the injury bug, but I feel like the Bulls are playing better. Uh, I would, I, I understand that they're favored. I don't think I would, I would lay it with them, but I understand why they're favored here. Is it? As simple as we're laying the system with the warrior, the Warriors laying eight at home against the Thunder. We don't lay points. We don't we're lay down points. by twenty in the, against the Pelicans as okay. nine point favorites, and they were like, "We'll cover that. Don't worry." Okay. We, got a whole we covered the money line. So baby. we just no. Warrior. They covered the spread too. They, they did back in all in one. Yeah, that's true. All right, so just I think they did it against San Antonio too. It looked right. like they, they were in Not trouble against the Spurs, and then the, yeah, they, I mean, don't least, worry, yeah. we got this. We're, we're taking care of it. What, are we laying a big number with the Lakers on the road at the Jazz? The Jazz are pretty much playing out the strings here. They're not eliminated, but they're pretty much eliminated. I believe if they lose this game tonight, they will be eliminated. But the Lakers have won three in a row, seven of their last ten, and they are just a half game back of the Warriors for the sixth seed or the Clippers for the five seed. So the Lakers can actually get out of the play-in tournament mix and into the playoffs. Anthony Davis averaging 40 and 10 over his last three. Laurie Markkinen questionable. If he comes back, that's going to be a, that's going to be a matchup that they're going to take advantage of. But that is just—it's so wild that that can happen. It's unbelievable. Uh, as soon as we wrote him off, as soon yeah. as LeBron got hurt, we're like, "Well, yep. better be next year." The Kings are at the Pelicans. New Orleans laying three. Does this just have to do with uh, Pelicans are motivated to get out of the play-in, and the Kings are pretty much locked in? There's that. There's also trend lines. Kings have kind of you know been middling. You know, as they've sunk into that third seed, the Pelicans. With a lot to play for. They seemed way out of the playoff mix a few weeks ago. They've been red hot. All other games have some pretty high spreads. Uh, Hornets 14.5 over the Raptors. Miami 11.5 over the Pistons. Got Milwaukee 12.5 over the Wizards. Just look at that college basketball here. It's, it's insane. Yeah, Nuggets. The Kings for a week averaged a line of 16 points. Yeah. They're like the fifth best team in the West. It's crazy. Nuggets laying 10 over the Rockets. Memphis 18 against the Blazers. Phoenix, 18 and a half against the Spurs. Did you see online that there was one guy that did a parlay with the Spurs and the Blazers the other night? Wow. And, and, and like, turned, like, $10 into, like, 1200 Yeah. Wow. Because, the, you know, the two money lines that covered. Do we do it? Do we run it back? Well, you no, got to no, bet no, a lot more. Yeah, we're not going to do it. We're not let's win 12000 Yeah, not going to do it. No, let's not that, do that. That's absolutely bizarre. Uh, yeah, we're uh, playing out the strings here, the final couple of games of the NBA regular season. You know, something that we talked about kind of a lot during this season, especially after, like, the All-Star break, was getting into that bottom three for the ping pong ball purposes. The, the gap between the bottom three and the rest is so massive the Pistons won 16 games, the Rockets 19, the Spurs 20. Obviously, they could each win a couple more. Uh, they could. Mm-hmm. The next closest team has 26 wins. Yeah. After that, it's 33. Like, there's a six-game gap between the third-worst team and the fourth-worst team because those three teams yeah. knew it's an equal chance. All we got to do is get that equal chance. Anonymous Western Conference GM said, I regret Winning all those games this season because we lost a chance out of this guy. He had that a play had to today. Be, that had to be the Jazz GM. Or the only Blazers. D, right? or, the, <laughs> or the Blazers. The Blazers have like. Or the, well, the Blazers did everything they, they darn well. The Bla- could. No, the Blazers at the beginning they, of the season thought they could win. Hmm. Like, that's the difference. The Jazz right. had to know coming into this season, they had no chance to win, and they still and they, tried their best to win a bunch of games. So good. Did you guys see the play with Wembenyama where he shoots a three, misses it off front rim, and Himself, yeah, goes in. I've never seen anybody <laughs> self tap in their own three point shot. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, mean, you're I, always taught to follow your shot, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> he nobody might, does. He does the fundamentals. I'm gonna go ahead and call him a blue chip prospect. <laughs> I'm gonna say he might he might be something. No, I, I'm gonna go that. Uh, what Scoot is that? Uh, who's the good luck? Good luck yeah, with Scoot, Scoot Anderson's gonna be the. Uh... You're you're back in Darko, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> There's an interesting question: Who would you rather have, Evan Mobley or Victor Vembanyama? Evan Mobley's an All Star. He's 21, Defensive Player of the Year candidate. To me, it's not. It's 
There's no question. You're not going to get LeBron James out of Evan Mobley. You might be able to get another Victor. I, I agree, and I love Evan Mobley. Like I think, man, what a great find. But... Nothing. The, the, the whole nothing scares you about just him being fuck seven yeah. five. He might have a 25 percent chance to be as good as as he looks, and it. it I would take it because that's a good, you mean great for chance. injury purposes. Yeah, don't guys that size Big get, guys hurt? get hurt? I mean, but the human body well is not meant to be that size. Like, let's say you appreciate that fact. What do you do with that information? Don't draft him. You're going to draft him. I, I mean, wouldn't. Have dra- I wouldn't have drafted Chet Holmgren. Would you have? Dra- would you have drafted Yao Ming? Yeah, but he he, had some, he was big. He got <laughs> he hurt all the time, him. very quickly. He had some meat on. He him. was constantly hurt. Yeah, but, but he, I had mean, some, he had some meat on. Yeah. Him. <laughs> Where, I would dread, I would draft Anthony Davis. I think you just take that risk. Chet Holmgren, go, like, Chet Holmgren was like one sixty soaking wet. Wembenyan is like seven five, probably weighs like a buck eighty. Do you believe Chet when he says, "I'll I have no regrets. I guarded LeBron like a man." <laughs> Went into the paint <laughs> during a pro am. As we count down the final games of the NHL regular season, there are points to be had, and they are important points on the line. Each and every night. The Senators are at the Hurricanes tonight. Carolina is minus 278. Carolina is three points up on the Devils for first place in the Metropolitan. And the Senators, not out of the wild card race just yet. They're six points back of the Penguins. A win here certainly keeps them in it. A loss here. Mm, might put a damper, not not officially, but puts a damper on things. The Sabres are at the Panthers. Florida minus 195 with a total of seven. Florida has won three straight games. They are one point back of the Penguins for that second wild card spot. The Sabres, they're five points back. So both of these teams in the fight for that uh, final wild card spot. The Red Wings at the Canadiens. These two teams playing out the strings. And the Red Wings are minus 115. Detroit, yeah, they're four and six in their last 10 games. Montreal also four and six in their last 10 games. So no edge to either team there. Total six and a half. Penguins at the Devils. New Jersey minus 155. Now the Penguins need to win to keep their spot in the playoffs and the devils are chasing down Carolina for first place. And they're also trying Some would to say chasing history. They're also trying to fight off the Rangers who are just three points back. And, and that's important because home ice advantage. If the devils and Rangers play in the first round and four of those games are in Madison square garden, that's good for the Rangers. If four of those games are in Jersey, it's good for the Rangers. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, Who's better? Who, who's, who thinks better right now? They got about the same title odds. Oof. I, I think that um, I think the Rangers are playing better right now. I think Kane's if you, working. If you take the whole season, the Devils have been the better team all season. But over the past month or so, the Rangers have been clearly better. If you look at Igor Shesterkin over the last. Uh, I don't know. Let's just look at the month of March for Shesterkin. He put up a 2.08 goals against average and .932 save percentage over 11 starts. Those numbers, if you if those were his numbers for the entire season, yeah. that's the second best mark in the NHL all season long behind Linus Allmark of, of Boston. And that would be like, a second, well, he wouldn't win the Vezina for a second straight year because Olmark's going to win the Vezina, but he'd be right up there. I mean, that's he's playing right now like he played last year when he won the Vezina Trophy as the best goaltender in the NHL, and that's what it takes. You get the hot goalie, you can have a deep playoff run. The Rangers right now playing better than the Devils and, and better than a lot of teams in the NHL. Uh, Toronto is minus 385 against the Blue Jackets with a total of seven and not much for Toronto to play for here. They're four points up on Tampa for the home ice advantage in that series. So I guess, you know, obviously they want to secure that, but this is a game they should win. Columbus has been so bad. I feel like Columbus, even though they won their last game, they're giving up so many goals and it's like, Hey, we're in this Connor Bedard sweepstakes here. We, we we can envision we're chasing the real trophy. We can envision Connor Bedard playing with Johnny Gaudreau and us score. You know, bringing fans back to the uh, to the arena here. You know, Chicago's got fifty four points, Anaheim fifty six, and Columbus fifty six in the battle for the worst team 
in the NHL. The Golden Knights uh, playing on the second of a back-to-back. They're in Nashville against the Predators. VGK minus 125. Vegas with the win last night. They are three points up on the Kings for first place in the Pacific Division. Nashville is five points back of Winnipeg for the second wild card. Flyers are at the Blues. St. Louis minus 135. Blackhawks at the Flames. Calgary minus 430 with a total of six. Now, Calgary was just a huge favorite, minus 600 at home against the Ducks. They were losing to the Ducks 2-0 after the first period and 4-3 after the second period, but then they remembered, we're playing the Ducks, and they won the game 5-4. So they covered the 600 money line, but they didn't even cover the puck line, but at least they won in regulation, so maybe you laid minus 400. But anyway, against the Blackhawks tonight, Boy, they really need to continue to win against these bad teams. They're two points back of Winnipeg for that second wild card spot. The Kraken coming off an 8-1 route last night over Arizona. They are in Vancouver to take on the Canucks. Seattle minus 115. The Kraken with 92 points are three points up on Winnipeg for the first wild card in the Western Conference and securing their first trip to the playoffs. How about the Seattle Kraken? Uh, The Oilers are at the Kings. Edmonton minus 125. Edmonton one point back of the Kings in the tooth for second and third, but everyone's still chasing Vegas, who has uh, just three points up on the Kings and four points up on Edmonton for first place. And the Avalanche at the Sharks, Colorado minus 235. Colorado is two points out of first place in the Central Division. It's going to be an exciting week here on uh, Straight Out of Vegas AM. We have the Masters beginning on Thursday, a tradition unlike any other. That's the you know tribute to Jim Nance there, who called this final, final four last night. But the Masters begins. Is he doing the Masters still? Yeah. Okay. Actually, wait. He Is really he? It seemed like he was saying goodbye. He called everybody his friend. I was touched. I mean, he he's back in a week <laughs> because he's not. Doing... Yeah, but he said you know like real heartfelt style. Because he's not doing basketball anymore. That's the thing. All right. Well, I'm going to see you in a week. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this, we made the big deal over you not doing any more basketball games. <laughs> right. But that, <laughs> I mean, that, that yeah, it's just, he's the last thing. Yeah. Gross. So, anyway. Um, Gross. <laughs> and he's still doing football with Tony. Oh, <laughs> uh, Jim, I think this guy's going gonna, gonna to go around to the left here. You're going to watch him go to the left. I told you he went to the left. <laughs> yeah, they were pulling the tight end. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so the Masters begins on Thursday. So I believe we will try and get uh, our golf guy on, yeah, right? Yeah, Will Doctor. Will the Doctor? Will Doctor. Will Doctor what? Will <laughs> Photos, evidence. Will Doctor whatever you need to do. He'll, he'll doctor up your, uh, your tickets for the Masters. There you go. How about that? $4 hot dogs and $2 Arnold Palmers, and, right? It, 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 uh, literally what the Doctor cheese ordered. sandwiches. Like, yeah, the Masters menu is, like, never changed. It's, like, the cheapest yeah. food you're ever going to get. But, I mean, good luck. I mean, if that's a bucket list item getting down to uh, to Augusta for the Masters. So, uh, we're going to have some fun with that. We're also – there's a UFC card coming up this weekend, right? There is. And we're going to be talking to one of the uh, main card fighters. Yeah, Adrian Yanez uh, is scheduled to fight Rob Font on the card. And – uh, talked to him yesterday. He said that he would have some time for us this week, so we'll uh, we'll we'll jump in with him this week as well. So, some guests on the show. This yes, week. very cool stuff coming here on Straight Out of Vegas AM, and very fun stuff happening at pregame.com. And you can take twenty percent off anything you'd like, whether it's a daily best bet package or a season long subscription package, or Maybe it's like a weekend all access or anything you want to buy at pregame.com. Just go ahead and take 20% off using one of our promo codes. And I'll give you two of them because we love you so much. SOV20 or AM20. Either of those promo codes going to get you 20% off at pregame.com. If you're not a pregame.com member, I don't know what you're waiting for. Go sign up for free. You get $25 just for signing up. And then once you're signed up, you can use our promo codes. We give them out on every episode. And then we give out promo codes on the Dream Pod. We give promo codes out on the Baseball Pod. On All the podcasts give out promo codes. So uh, we want you to, uh, you know, join up on pregame.com. 
you know, post in the forums, have some fun, make some friends, make some money. Let's all do this together and take 20% off. Again, the promo codes SOV20 and AM20. And, uh, you know, listen, if somebody goes on a losing streak, you know, maybe let them have it because you'll feed into the fire, AJ. I think that's how it works. Yeah, I, th- I think it's worked for you. Feed, feed into the fire. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it has worked. Mmm, it tears taste so good. So what you're saying is you're red hot. Uh, 13 straight. That's good. That's decent. Yeah, that'll work. Like that. That'll work. I mean, look, it's about, it was a, there, was a, there was a losing run before then, but we have fought, forgotten about it, and we move on to the winners. On to the winners. And on baby. to the winners, that's it. That's, all you, that's what you got to do. You have a, the memory like a goldfish, right? Isn't that what Ted Lasso says? I think so. And you just you move on, yeah. and you believe. Oi! That's my Roy Kent. Is that a good Roy Kent? That's not good. No? Oi! I mean, you're only saying one one sound, not even a word. <laughs> Oi! No one says anything to this <laughs> 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 uh, He's here. He's there. He's every effing where. Roy Kent. Roy Kent. You like how he... he Leaped out the effing, but not the other word. He just went full blown on that one. Well, you need his comedy concept. Exactly. Because the other word I said got bleeped out. Oh, okay. You know? That's what happens. You know? We we got bleeped. Uh, for Mackenzie Rivers and AJ Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. No bleeps here. We are straight out of Vegas AM.